Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. I'm also going to be at the Business Rocks Tech, Music, and Investment Summit recording shows live in Manchester, England, April 21st and 22nd, where Steve Wozniak is headlining. More information about the summit is on the show website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Angela and Saki from Raining, Raining It. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on the show. I, I know like you guys are doing something very kind of inspiring. And, and when we kind of had our pre-interview call, um, you know, it kind of resonated with me. And I think what you guys are doing is, is really important. But maybe before we kind of get into what you guys are doing, um, do you guys want to each kind of give a bit of a background and maybe just kind of where you grew up? Um, I can go first. This is Angela, and I'm from New Jersey. Um, I've grown up in New Jersey my whole life, and okay. I'm a school counselor. I've been a school counselor since 2001. Um, so my background is very much been in education, and I love what I'm doing. I love working with kids. Right now, I work with students in grades five and six. Oh, awesome. So that's where I'm at. Sure. No, that's cool. And uh, I'm Saki, and I, a little bit different from Angela, I moved down a lot while growing up, um, around, I would say, six states and 11 cities. Oh, wow. Um, but I did spend the longest amount of time in Maryland, where I did my like, junior high, high school. Um, and then I went to Boston, where I went to undergrad. Um, and then since then, I've uh, lived in Boston primarily, and then right now I'm in Northern California, um, and I work in uh, university recruiting, where I lead um, a team. Um, to find the next best generation of talent. That's awesome. No, very cool. I was just actually in Boston for the first time, and it's a really nice city. Clean. I thought it was like, I never really noticed that stuff, but I was like, oh, this city's really clean. <laughs> I don't know. It's very clean and very manageable. It's a great city. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Fun fact to the day. No. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of curious. Obviously, like, want to use in tech, want to use in kind of education, Kind of what inspired you know each of you to kind of get into the spaces that you're in? Um, well, I can speak for myself again, it's Angela. Um, that I, this was actually the last thing I wanted to do with my life. Really, when I was in high school. Yes, <laughs> when I was in high school, I wanted to be a librarian. I just I love reading. I thought this is this is what I want to do with my life. And then I learned that they changed the name of librarian to media specialist, and you have to know all this stuff about technology. And I just did not grow up with technology. I'm a technology immigrant, and I <laughs> changed my career path because I wanted to avoid it, which is insane that I'm at this point in my life where I'm embracing it, and I love it. That's but um, I think it just speaks to, you know, to my generation. You know, I remember in high school taking a typing class and the teacher was telling us, you know, we had these new computers and she said, don't touch them. And she was telling us that when we work in a business, we're going to have typewriters, not computers. So when we practice typing, I used to have to lift my right hand and pretend to move the typewriter <laughs> to the left to like start a new line. So I, I definitely did not grow up embracing technology. Wow, that's fascinating, actually. It's just, it's funny to look back on stories like that when they're like, computers will go nowhere. Like, it was kind of like the internet was the same thing. Oh, that's just a fad. <laughs> exactly. And I believed it at the time, but I didn't know. Sure, I guess. Like, if your teacher's telling you, 
what are you going to do, right? <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I ended up going to undergrad for education and then wanted to continue on into the counseling field when I went to graduate school, which is where Saki and I met. But I'll let her pick up on her background sure. up until we met. Cool. So, yeah, I, as I mentioned, I went to Boston University undergrad. Um, I, uh, I'm Indian American, and so all good Indian Americans either become engineers or they go to med school. <laughs> so I was kind of in the latter uh, school of thought, and so I started off being a pre-med major. Quickly realized within, I would say, three months that that clearly wasn't for me. I was not excelling at it, um, but always kind of um, gravitated towards psychology. I had taken classes in high school and really loved it. So I dedicated myself fully to that major with the intention of getting a PhD, um, going all the way in clinical psychology. Um, so I, kind of like Angela, I never really thought I would ever stumble upon tech because I really was going more like the research, um, that kind of route. And that's when Angela and I, our lives really intersected at Penn. Um, and we do want to give a little bit of a shout out to Dr. Jeannie Stanley because she was the director of the program at the time and really put a big emphasis on things like giving back to the community, um, utilizing education for bigger purposes, and you know how can you really take it and implement it on a bigger level. And I think that's really where uh, kind of our yeah, our paths intersected and really where we've taken our lives from there. Um, so when I kind of realized that. I didn't want to go the PhD route. Um, I had done an internship in career services, and I really liked that it was still like a one-on-one -on -one interaction with students, um, and I got to really, you know, have that time with them and kind of delve a little bit deeper into what they're looking for and how, can, how it can really help them. So I ultimately went back to Boston. Um, I started off doing research at Harvard, um, but it was, again, purely research that I wasn't really as interested in, so I ended up getting a job at MIT. Okay. Um, and that's really when my first foray into tech started. And I loved meeting with engineering students. I just thought they were brilliant, and they definitely are. And I remember having that imposter syndrome, being like, what do I have to offer them? I'm fresh out of grad school. Like, what are we going to tell them? Um, but ultimately, it was more about weaving their stories and putting that to paper and translating that into a potential job or, you know, interview experience. Um, and then from there, I've just kind of had – um, an interest in working on the flip side of it also in terms of recruiting because I would see like career fairs where you have, you know, hundreds of employers coming in and it was just really exciting to me, really fast paced. And I really wanted to see the other side of um, working with students. So that's ultimately how I kind of stumbled upon the tech and it's really been the best thing that could ever happen. Sure. So how long have you kind of been in the tech space then now? I would say officially since uh, 2007, I had okay. worked at VMware, um, and oh, yeah. so I had started doing camp campus recruiting there, and then um, after that, I went to the Walt Disney Company. I moved to LA for about a year, and that was a really fascinating experience to see a company from like a brand entertainment standpoint, but ultimately, I kind of realized that I really just enjoy tech and the majority of you know the, the most exciting opportunities were really up in the Bay Area. So, sure. um, yeah, so that's how I ended up here. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and then, Angela, did you just got your – you basically been in education since – or did you kind of have other jobs after after school? Well, um, the degree that Saki and I both received from UPenn is a degree in psychological services. So okay. it's a pretty versatile program. And there were some people who went into HR or higher ed. And um, it, it depended on what your interests 
are. So we love the fact that it was a really versatile program. Um, interesting enough, Saki and I both got into PhD programs, and we both turned them down to come to Penn because we love the collaborative environment, and that's really laid this solid foundation for us, not just for our careers but for our friendship. We built so much trust at that time, um, and it, it was really beneficial to us. So um, around that time where Saki had her internship, I ended up getting one in a school setting, which um, wasn't, it didn't seem that exciting to me, but I thought, all right, I'll try this out. Well, I fell in love with it. I love the fact that I saw students who were, you know, your typical students and didn't really have a lot of, you know, problems going on in their lives. And then I was able to help students who really were having those struggles in life. And it was a perfect balance for me. I wasn't going to lose sight of, you know, all the wonderful things that happened during childhood and during those formative years in our life. So I, I really loved school counseling. I stayed on for another year to get a certificate. And um, I stayed in Philadelphia, but I ended up moving back to New Jersey and working as a school counselor in New Jersey from around 2002 up until now. Okay, awesome. So maybe let's kind of get into what is kind of reigning it. Sure. Um our idea behind it, it kind of, it was a, a marriage of different life experiences with Saki and me. Um, essentially, around the same time period in our lives, we were both embracing this new technology that was around us. And for, you know, I can speak to what I was going through in education, and, you know, uh, you know, Saki can speak to what she was going through, you know, more in the corporate world. But for myself and around... 2011, we had a new superintendent come into our school district, and I'm sort of in central Jersey around the Princeton area, and okay. we had a new superintendent come in, Jordan Schiff, and he had this reputation for coming in with technology. He was going to get all the kids laptops, and, you know, and it was really intimidating because I, you know, I knew how to use the computers, I would email, but I wasn't really that tech savvy, and I was really, I was just nervous about it, as were a lot of other educators, but once I, I said to myself, you know, this is going to be here to stay whether I like it or not, and I really embraced it, and I haven't looked back since. It's really been fantastic to see how the technology doesn't replace good teaching, that it really enhances teaching, and it gives our children an opportunity to experience a world that is beyond the four walls of their classroom. I just I never thought I would have that type of surreal, amazing experience. So around that time, Safi was talking to me about what was going on with you know, technology in terms of the corporate world, and I was really impressed with what she was sharing with me. So um, she can tell you or know what she was seeing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so kind of around the same time, um, you know, company, the country was going through an economic crisis. Sure. Um, we were both kind of going through job changes and really had to kind of evaluate what it is that we were looking for and what we wanted to do next where we live, so that ultimately drove me to moving to the Bay Area, but as Angela said, she and I really started to kind of collaborate. Up until this point, I think, you know, we had been friends and, of course, had the shared experience in grad school, but it was more about what was that next level, and so as she was telling me about the schools and, you know, implementing technology there, and I, on the flip side, was, like, in the heart of technology, kind of, you know, working on um, what we consider the cutting edge here. So we, she came out to visit, and it was just a great time because um, we got to tour different companies that are even companies I had not seen. Like we got to go to Twitter and see the offices there, um, and really just seeing what other what we take for granted in here sometimes is really kind of unique, right, to the rest sure. of the world. So we started talking about other like projects or articles or ways that we could 
collaborate together. And we started supporting each other in events. So even like work events, if I was hosting some kind of a information session or tech talk, um, or even like attending a hackathon, Angela would attend with me. And I know she's spoken at certain conferences and done presentations I've attended for her. Um, so that's really kind of where this emanated from. But ultimately, what we wanted to do was have a place that we can showcase women's stories. So, um, Angela, do you want to take it from there? <laughs> sure. Um, I think what was amazing about that time in our lives was that for the first time, you know, our worlds were very different in terms of our careers. But sure. for the first time, we were really swapping ideas. You know, like, I, I love seeing... Um, like when she talked about the tech world, she was able to, through some connections, help me um, get into Google and take a you know little visit there. And I, I looked at Google and I said to myself, you know, our children, their their learning environment doesn't have to take place, you know, sitting at a desk in a classroom. And when you go to some of these tech offices, and you can even Google, you know, what they look like online, um, it's amazing to see that they are so understanding that people learn, they work, and they, you know, connect with others in very different environments. So some people may be very outgoing and they want to play pool while they're talking about something, you know, related to their field. Other people are kind of quiet and they want to sit in, you know, a little booth or something and just kind of put their earbuds in and really focus on what they're doing. And I looked at that and I said, you know, we we are preparing our children to enter this, this world. And so this whole idea, this you know, traditional idea of education that you are sitting at your desk, you're, you know, facing forward, the learning takes place at the front of the classroom. That idea was very, very quickly becoming antiquated. So I love, you know, I love seeing what Saki was talking about in her industry. And then what was great, which, you know, really made me so proud, was that when she saw what we were doing in education and how we were using different apps to, you know, collaborate with other educators, she was really impressed. And that's blew my mind because I, I really felt like we were behind. That's awesome. So um, it was just a really, yeah, it was it was great that we were able to, you know, share ideas and swap success stories in, you know, a really energetic way. And we were just so excited. And we just decided we have to take this energy and enthusiasm and really build on that. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious yeah. to know, um, maybe just for the listener, let's kind of cover the the mission that and kind of what exactly you guys are doing. Sure. So we're really looking to um, fill kind of the gender gap right now within sure. tech. So right now there's a lot of conversations around diversity and specifically women. Totally. And just looking at the data alone, um, there's basically whenever you talk about like starting a business or a company or being an entrepreneur, there's always a question largely that you want to solve. So these are the kind of the facts that are stated that by 2020, there are going to be 1.4 million computer science jobs out there, but only 400,000 computer science students. So that's a big gap in and of itself. For sure. And then of that, women are earning about 60% of the BS degrees, but only 18% are majoring in computer science. And then just from a larger perspective, 30% of businesses in America are led or founded by women. And then gender diverse companies are 50%, 15% more likely to outperform companies that are not. So there's just a lot of data out there just pointing to the fact that there's a large need to have more women in the tech space. 
and through programs that both Angela and I have done and just getting out there and speaking to different women. I love going to campuses and talking to young women about, you know, what their paths are and what they're trying to learn and what they're going to achieve. And we really felt that we should have a kind of platform for it. And I think Angela and I, our experiences really were melding really well together in the fact that she was doing in the formative education space and for mine a little bit more college and beyond. So our ultimate platform is really to um, mitigate the, the gender gap in technology by showcasing other women's stories and talking about tech tools and other things that can really empower women to collaborate and work closely to, to lessen those tech space. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I love how you guys, like, you obviously work in kind of different industries, but obviously there's some synergy there. And I love how you're kind of covering different age ranges of kind of, you know, young women for for maybe lack of a better term, right? Like, right? Like, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I think it's really inspiring. And, and you're right, like, there needs to be more girls in this industry. And I, I think part of the part of the problem is, is, and, and like you, you can tell me if I'm, I'm right or not. That I, I've read some stuff saying that in that women's brains are are wired almost better to be like programmers, and and the first programmer was a woman, and and so you know that we've society's kind of basically almost like shunned them out of technology or going that path, and I think it's it's really sad. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think um, you know we we totally see that and what was interesting is when we we looked at our own life experiences and for me in education I work with young children they're usually around the ages of 10 to 12 years old um, in the grade levels I'm working with and I can see that that gender gap starts to take place as you know these girls are going through puberty and facing some of the challenges um, you know that life throws at them and I, you know, we see it in the classes that the kids are interested in and what they talk about. And I feel like it's, it's not just an issue, you know, in, in my little world of education, but it's something that is bigger than that. And I felt like, you know, at the same time, Santi was talking about some of the challenges in recruiting and, you know, getting diverse um, candidate pools. And we looked at this and we said, there's, there's got to be something we can do to address this gap that's not just focused on, you know, one grade level or one age group. So um, we looked at the data, and it really supported what our life experiences were pointing to. Mm -hmm. And Kevin, you had kind of mentioned about, you know, one of the first programmers being women. And when you look at all, like, the websites and apps that are out there, if you think about some of the biggest ones, like the platforms like Twitter or Facebook, over 50% of those are women and when you think about Mm -hmm. online products the largest consumer of online products are women too so we need more women who are represented in the workplace to design features to design the ui ux interface of how that looks and that's really where that that gap lies right now no sure and and like i work as a creative director so i'm always kind of you know i've been doing design and whatnot for for a number of years and um even just like if you take the same design and you show it to like a room full of men and then you show the same design to a room full of women you're gonna get totally different opinions responses and you know like if the guys love it but the the websites tailor are supposed to be targeted at women well time to do the redesign right and one's not better than the other it's just everybody different like you know men and women different things appeal to them right and it's 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 really interesting and you're right because i remember i worked at a company years ago and they did a redesign before I started there and they made everything really, really dark. 
and a lot of their users were were women and they got awful feedback they were like hate the new look and and a couple of their male clients were like i love it and but it's like well you you know so they they redesigned their whole app because they basically missed the target market and they didn't appeal to the people using it so it's a big issue and i think you know that's kind of really why i wanted to have you guys on the show and i i want i'm hoping it inspires um women to kind of go in this industry and i also hope that you know it also makes kind of the males in the industry think about this stuff because at the end of the day a designer's job especially for web and mobile isn't to design for what they like or what their friends like or to be this art piece it's to you need to design for your target market and you really need to understand that right and if you're a woman designer it's probably right. easier designing for women than if i'm a guy trying to design for women right because i have to have a lot right. more focus right. groups and research and kind of get more feedback and you know sometimes time and budget doesn't allow for that kind of thing right so i think there's a mm -hmm. huge gap just even in the design community especially in the web design community um at, at least where in my experience more more women kind of go into the print side of things and they never end up kind of on the website and for for a number of different mm -hmm. reasons i'm kind of curious if mm -hmm. you've kind of have that shared that same kind of experience yeah i totally agree with you i think you just hit the nail on the head there and even on a beta level i think it's about demystifying what it is that sure interesting computer science is right and the applications that it has in the real world I think there's, um, you know, you think about like video games or whatever, you know, Nintendo things that we grew up with um, sure. in like the 80s and 90s. And it's really, it just seemed a lot more violent and it seemed like, oh, it's something that tends to be a little bit more male centric. But now you think about any kind of industry, whether it's healthcare, food, fashion, money, um, really anything, social media, you know, communication, there's tech underlyingly under all of that. And in fact, that's the framework that really holds it all up. So I think just that awareness of you're not necessarily going to be stuck in a great cubicle in the basement of some big corporation. You know, when I look, when we toured a lot of these tech companies, when Angela came to the Bay Area, we saw so many open spaces, um, just mm -hmm. stand-up tables for collaboration, food, snacks, just everything that you can imagine, every privilege, any every, you know, just perk and benefit in order to ensure that that happens. And there's just such a big spotlight on it. So I think helping hopefully to educate about what that looks like will really help. Sure. So I'm right. kind Along of... With oh. Masaki, no, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I was... Um, I just wanted to add that along with what Saki saying about demystifying what it means to be a woman in tech, what we love about highlighting these different women in the industry is that for some young girls, and even as they're you know going through high school and through college, it's very difficult for them to envision themselves in this tech world because they may have a certain perception in their mind. So these interviews are so insightful because you get a sense of who these these young women are as a whole, that they are not just you know, sitting around doing math problems and coding, that they love art and music and, and how they're taking their passions and using te technology to realize their dreams. So yeah. we want we want them to see that there's a world just beyond what they're seeing on TV in terms of technology. Mm -hmm. um, we oftentimes, you know, Saki and I will say to each other, it's hard it's hard to be what you can't see. It's not impossible, you know, somebody's paving the way, but it's very difficult when you're, you know, selecting a college or choosing a major to select a field if you, you really cannot visualize yourself there or you haven't visualized somebody 
like you there. Sure. No, you brought up an interesting point about kind of music and arts. And at least in my experience, I found like a lot of designers and developers that I've worked with over the years are huge music fans or art fans or both or have kind of played in bands kind of growing up. And and I think, you know, I think in a lot of cases, having an arts background isn't bad, whether you're going to be a developer or a designer or, or work in tech. Like, I, I think you're right about kind of people don't really know what it means. And, and to be honest, I didn't even know that you could make a living doing doing kind of what I do for a living, right? My my dad was like, well, you play with mm-hmm. this software in the evening and the local tech college runs a program that, you know, basically has all the software that you play with. We should go to the info night. And I think trying to have, trying to get you guys on the show and maybe like even other people that, other women that, you know, you want me to help promote as well, I, I think would be awesome to have on the show. But the the big thing to me is trying to maybe break down the things that you guys have heard that are kind of stopping women from kind of getting into the industry, you know, even in their teenage years. I'm kind of curious to know kind of how you guys, what you guys hear and kind of how, what you tell them and, and what tell the listener, I guess, the women out there. Right. Um, I, yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it's funny because we talk about this all the time. And one of the, the big buzzwords in education right now is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And in the fixed mindset, there's this idea that, um, you know, you can imagine in school a student saying, like, I can't do math or I can't do, you know, science or whatever the field is. And a growth mindset is really amazing because it encourages students and it encourages teachers to have students add the word yet to the end of that sentence. So if they're saying, I can't, you know, do Facebook or I can't, whatever it is they're learning to do, if they can't do it yet, it opens up that door in the world of possibilities to say, well, what can you do so that you can get there? So if you can't do the time tables, what can you do to learn it so you can get there versus, you know, closing that door and saying, these are the skills I have and I don't have. Um, And that's amazing. What's interesting for me is I have to work on that in myself. You know, there's times where I'm thinking, oh, that's not me. This is not who I am. And I've struggled with that. I think we all, you know, kind of figure things out about ourselves as we get older. Sure. But I find that I'll, I'll talk to, you know, different women, um, whether they're, you know, involved in technology or just using technology. I'll talk to them about what we're doing, about encouraging more girls to enter the field and to stay in the field. And oftentimes I hear a response like, oh, but I'm not a tech person. And you know, there's even with adults, there's this idea of what it means to be a tech person. And I'll say, well, wait a second. You're on all these social media accounts. You have, <laughs> you know, access to all these apps on your phone. You're doing all these amazing things with your kids, and you have like behavior modification plans on your phone, and you're, like you're doing amazing things. How are you defining what it means to be a tech person? And there's that moment where they kind of pause and think, you know, okay, like maybe I am a little bit tech savvy. So I think, you know, from that perspective, yeah, from education, we're trying to, you know, change the mindset so that it's not so focused on this, you know, putting people in little boxes or putting our skills in little boxes and, and opening up that world more and thinking about what can we do so that we can learn and grow and make our world a better place. Yeah. Interesting. And it's interesting when you ask about this, like, I think, frankly, Angela and I are a little bit guilty of this, too. Like, when we talk about being an entrepreneur or having your own startup, you know, like, having worked at a startup now for 
you know, the first three years, I would hear this constantly. You would, I would literally recruit interns and your grads to the company, and we would say, like, come here, learn the ropes, and then if you want to go and build your own company, like, run forth, be free, go ahead and do that. Never once did I think I myself could be an entrepreneur in any way. Why? Because I was a second major and an education major. You know, I didn't have no background in CS. However, when Angela and I realized that we're trying to solve a problem that does apply to certain tech people in tech, um, young women particularly, that this in our, in our own right, in our own way, is us being entrepreneurs. So it's just interesting how I think that own that lesson applies to the both of us ourselves as we're trying to launch this at this point. Um, but then from an education standpoint, you mentioned about the arts and having that kind of background. And it was just interesting. It made me think about how I've seen, you know, probably thousands of resumes at this point over the years. Sure. And there is a lot of correlation between those who have either played an instrument or been in band um, or been in arts in some form or theater um, and math too. So I think there's something about seeing things in like 3D or you think about notes or composing music and how you think about coding. So I do think there's definitely something to that as well. Sure. And I think the other thing to mention too is, and, and I'm not trying to downplay it, but like anybody can learn to program or, or be a designer. Mm-hmm. Like it's not this, some people are, are, are more talented at it and sometimes it comes more naturally to them. But at the end of the day, like you, anybody can do this stuff, right? And I think some people hold back because they're like, well, you know, so-and-so is better at it than me. It's like, well, yeah, but there's always going to be somebody better in whatever that means, right? At, mm-hmm. at, at mm-hmm. everything, really, right? It's always like the, well, there's always somebody richer than you or, or whatever, right? Like everybody uses these like, right. well, I'm not good enough or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think... Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not the best programmer in the world. I can do it, but, you know, it's not really what I want to do and it's not really my job, but, like, I learned how to do it and I think there's a lot of people that are creative that that should learn how to program. There's people that, you know, even, like, programmers should learn a little bit about design and if if you want to get into the industry, you should, you know, you can... You can learn this stuff, and it's not just for nerds, by nerds, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, right? It used to be probably a little bit more like programming used to be a little bit harder and <laughs> kind of maybe not some languages are kind of really, really hard to learn. But nowadays there's mm-hmm. languages out there that almost like gateway languages, for lack of a better term, that you can really learn and pick up pretty quick. And, you know, whether you're good at math or not good at math or or whatever other subject that you think you need to have, like you can find something out there to like – kind of get into tech if you, if you really want it right it's you know and there's yeah. a lot of people out there like you guys and you know other people in the industry that are are willing to help and you could reach out to and kind of mentor you and you know kind of get you through the days where you kind of want to give up and to be fair I've been doing this 20 years and there's days I want to give up and you know go I don't know work at a fast food joint or something, you know, like everybody has those days where they're like, God, oh, I'm terrible at this, you know, no matter how, how long you've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And Angela, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of women featured, a lot of women who are willing and open to sharing their story. And a commonality that we've been finding within the interviews are what you described as quote unquote imposter syndrome. So that's when you don't feel good enough that you feel like because you were, you didn't start coding from when you were five years old or you look a certain way or, you know, you're a, a minority of some sort in your class um, that you're not going to be able to prevail. And that's exactly what we're trying to offset by showcasing these stories. And so Angela and I went back to really look through some of the interviews that we've done 
and just isn't directing one of our mm-hmm. um, biggest ones, I would say. Her name is Kelsey Rubis, and okay. she is a CS student um, at Iowa State. But her parents had basically very low expectations for her because she wasn't doing that well in high school. They basically wanted her to not get kicked out of college and end up in their basement. But she decided to give CS a major um, instead of business, which is what her, both of her parents majored in um, at Iowa State. And then she walked into class one day, and a male classmate that she happened to know from high school kind of turned around and looked at her like, you know, why are you here? And it kind of got her a little bit flustered. And then she kind of replied, oh, well, I think I might switch to marketing after all. And he said, well, yeah, that might be a better choice because it's a quote unquote easier major. So that's really what fires her up. And she's like, you know what, I'm going to stick to this because CS is something I think I can actually do. So it's almost like a legally blonde tech story. And she really persevered at it. It wasn't easy. And since that moment, she's been the only female member on certain tech competitions. She's gotten an internship at Google. She's founded one of the largest hackathons in the Bay Area. And now she's interested in like front end product, um, user interface, user design, and software engineering opportunities. So I think that's just one of the best success stories. I was literally crying when I read her. Sure. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I think I think that's super important to stress too. And you, you kind of touched on at the end there. Like basically, part of the problem right now is people don't understand how big the tech industry really is. Like there's so many different things that you can get into. And it's kind of like any other industry where you don't just have to be like a designer or developer or like you you can do like there's even small segments inside of those things. There's like user experience. There's, you know, just like I, I get most people don't want to be like a tester, but there's like there's so many different things inside the whole tech space and to make products and software and, you know, the web, you can just specialize in doing kind of web work. You can specialize doing in mobile stuff. You can specialize in doing just games or, you know, just building kind of apps Mm -hmm. in one kind of segment. You know, maybe, maybe you want to start a company just building, I don't know, like little shopping apps or, or, or something, right? Like, you can kind of tie your love of something that's maybe tailored to kind of females, but you, you, you build technology to kind of meet a need that is only targeted at females. And, and I, I don't really have like the best example off the top of my head, but you know what I mean, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. like Pinterest is kind of mostly females, mostly use Pinterest. I use it sometimes actually for design inspiration. I think it's fascinating for that, but a lot of their users are, are female and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you can build these apps for, you know, things that you enjoy that are passionate, that you don't really necessarily think of in the tech space. And actually I, I'm interviewing a girl in a few weeks that she, she's a fashion designer and she used to work at Microsoft as a developer. And, um, you know, she basically quit her job at Microsoft and, and built this like app based around fashion. Right. So, you know, you're, she's taking two things that aren't really necessarily related and making them related and then releasing an app. And I think it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Angela, I think you really should have her as a woman who reigns. Yeah, she sounds great. Yeah, I can put you guys um, in, in touch. Terms of, like, you know, oh, that'd be great. Um, I was just thinking about what you were just saying, Kevin, and, you know, in terms of um, opening up that world of technology to young women. I know with the girls that I work with, um, they are using technology in a very different way, and they're uh, 
obsessed with things like Minecraft where they're creating their own world. It's more of a creative rather than, you know, depending on which mode you're playing and not necessarily combative. Sure. But it's this creative outlet for them. Or they can. there's another game that they love that's called Many Lands where they're creating their own world. And it's a different platform for them to use technology. Um, one of the things that I started doing recently as a counselor is I was reading about, you know, rather than asking students, what do you want to be when you grow up, which is a really boring question, and they have their standard responses. <laughs> I started asking them, um, what problems do you want to solve when you grow up? Interesting. And it's a great moment because, yeah, you, and, and there's, you know, this whole movement out there to you know, start asking students that question, what problems do you want to solve? And what's great about that is you see them hesitate because they're not expecting that. And as an example, I was speaking with a young girl, she was maybe 10 years old, and I asked her, you know, what problems do you want to solve when you grow up? Like, what problems do you have now that you would love to be involved in creating a solution for? And she looked at me, she thought, and she said, you know, my dog keeps running away. And it's really hard to, you know, he just, he just gets off the leash, he takes off, and, you know, it's kind of a problem. And she said, I would love to develop an app where there's a device that's on the dog's collar so that we can see where the dog is at all times. So we know if he, get, if he like, digs out from under the fence in the backyard and takes off or, you know, when they have to go searching for this inquisitive little puppy, they can track the dog right away. So I don't know if that's already out there, but it was amazing to see this little girl totally. come to work and think about this is a big problem, you know? No, totally. And, and, and that's, that's actually really interesting. And it, it's cool that, like, somebody that young is, is starting to think about that. And you know, realistically, if it's not out there, I'm sure something like that is coming or, or whatnot. And it's that's that's inspiring to see that and i think even i think any industry nowadays and it's only getting worse basically has to have some sort of technology most people go to work and work on a computer right and and there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that like obviously even in the dog example like it's technology is how you find the dog right and it's it, it's i think getting right. people to think of it like that not trying to say like I need to build like a, a tech company. I need to solve a real problem with technology. Right. And for our students, you know, it's amazing, you know, as a counselor to think that many of the jobs that they will have when they're older don't even exist today. Um, one of the girls we interviewed is involved with social media um, for a university. And I thought to myself, you know, she manages like their Twitter account and their Instagram and you know, all this stuff. And I thought to myself, this is a job that didn't exist, you know, five years ago. And it's amazing. So for all of our girls who are on social media, who love posting pictures, um, and, and, you know, they can oftentimes be very visual, you know, the, the students, they, they love taking little photos of things and posting them online. That's something that you could actually make a career out of. That's, that's pretty fantastic. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. So how do you kind of, like, you kind of cover this roughly, but I, I kind of want to know just for the listener, how do you pick the women that you highlight and can people submit women to you guys? And if they can, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, do kind of a combination of things. We try to keep on top of just trends in technology and look at um, articles that are out there. For example, I read about, um, a program called Girls Who Code that I've been personally involved with. And um, there was a young woman at Brandeis who was one of the first TAs for it. And so I thought that would be a great success story. So we talked to her and then she, um, you know, submitted her story to us. 
um, those who are like activists, you know, especially those who are vocal on Twitter, um, those who are contributing meaningful work to the community, um, reaching out through some of our contacts in LinkedIn, those we've met before, like I've met uh, Kelsey, who I referenced just previously, I met her at a conference and just through hearing her story, you know, made me want to um, highlight her too. So it's not so much, honestly, of personal friends and colleagues as much as we really tried to kind of branch out and meet um, women from all different kind of facets of life and all different ages and backgrounds. Um, so, yeah, it's been really great to see kind of the momentum building and, you know, women wanting to um, show how they're, how they're rating their lives, basically. But, yeah, people can definitely submit their own stories to us. Um, they can reach out to us on Twitter. We're at Raining It. Um, or on Medium, we recently have a, uh, started off the site there, or they can email us too, um, raining it at gmail.com. Okay, and I'll post those links in the show notes so people can uh, mm-hmm. see them on the website as well. Um, just if you're listening in your car or something right now, you can you can go to the website, buildingthefutureshow.com. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of curious to know what other kind of success stories have you guys kind of covered and, and seen and just, you know, kind of maybe – um, just, yeah, cover some success stories that you guys have kind of seen and, and kind of been inspired by yourselves. Um, there are so many. It's, uh, I was just telling Saki, it's, it's so emotional to go back and read all these stories and see this common thread of women who had some sort of challenge entering this field and how they overcame it, who their supporters were. Um, but they're coming from all walks of life and there are some stories that, like they just they're jaw dropping there's um there's a story about a woman who was in Afghanistan and she was studying and you know trying to learn while bombs were going off and she was really focused on just you know like learning how to read and her dad was helping her but I, I can't imagine trying to get an education while you're in this you know war zone and to see how women have come from those challenging backgrounds to get an education and to then give back to others is really, really inspiring. Um, we have a lot of women from different parts of the world where they're going back to encourage other women to enter the tech field. They're starting their own um, organization. There's um, a woman who started an organization called Chefnet.org, which really is focusing on encouraging more women in rural countries to enter the tech industry and opening up you know, avenues to them. What's great about technology is, you know, once you have access to the internet and you know you have some device to do that, like your your world is just transformed. And you know, I see it even with my students and with myself. When I want to learn something, I go onto YouTube and I look up a video and I follow along. And just giving students who are struggling, whether it's in our country or in other countries, access to this type of education, it just it it changes their lives. Sure. No, that's awesome. I think like that's one of the things that I love about doing the show is I basically get to talk to people all around the world about what they're doing. Right. And without the Internet, it, that wouldn't even be possible. Right. And it, it's interesting. And, and right. you're right. Like it's it's cool and it's inspiring. And I think in a lot of cases, we don't realize how lucky we are to be in North America, you know, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. because you're right, like I I've never heard been around um when some place is getting bombed and i'm assuming neither one of you have either but like it's no. it's crazy yeah. that that's some people's reality right and it's mm-hmm. we forget how fortunate we are and it's awesome that you know she she's looking to kind of give back still and and kind of share her story i think that's 
that's inspiring. And I think um, that's that's very cool. And I, I love that you guys are promoting, you know, women and, and getting them into to the space. Um, I'm curious, maybe we should kind of close the show with promoting again where people can find you guys online and um, kind of submit their stories and go check out, you know, the, the women that you guys have already covered. Right. I think one of the best ways to reach out to us is through Twitter. We have been so impressed by the support and the contacts that we have made through Twitter. I think that's actually how we met you, Kevin. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we met on Twitter. Yep. We really love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's amazing how much support is out there. I think there's so much negative press about social media and, like, people can be mean to each other. We are finding that people are just, they, they really believe in the same dreams that we have. Um, and, and what's great, I think, is we're doing something similar, Kevin. Like, where you're promoting other people's stories, you're not, you know, it's not self-promotion. It's basically giving people a platform to tell their stories and to inspire others. And we love doing that. If people want to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from them. Um, definitely Twitter is one of the easiest, the best ways for people to reach us. And we definitely recommend they check out the blog on Medium. Sure. No, that's awesome. And I'll post those links in, in the show notes. But do you want to just maybe spell out your Twitter, Twitter handle for people? Sure. It's at sure. Raining It. It's at um, R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G-I-T. Perfect. No, um... Well, ladies, thanks again for doing this. This has been awesome, and I'm excited to kind of see where you guys take this thing. And I, I think it's awesome that you guys are inspiring kind of, you know, the, the up-and-coming generations and, and the current generations to kind of think about getting into technology because it's not – It's basically it's everybody uses it every day whether you, you like it or not. And there's a lot of ways to apply mm-hmm. it that isn't necessarily the traditional kind of – nerdy technology way that there's ways to do it that you can accommodate whatever you're into in your in your life absolutely and i think that's what we found we've we've grown so much through this process and i think angela and i've learned so much about other tech tools or challenges that people have faced or just fun songs like we were saying we should have our own like spotify playlist of all the songs that inspire all of our women who are in it's really been just an amazing like life growth opportunity for us, I think, more than we ever expected. So we're so grateful. Sure. That's awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for doing this. I'll uh, look forward to kind of keeping in touch with you guys and kind of following your progress over, over the year. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for doing this. Thank you so much, thanks Kevin. Thanks so much, Kevin. All right. You guys have a good night. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. 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 Take okay. care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.